Thank you for joining us for our Renewal City Church podcast. If you're looking for ways to get involved, join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Roxy Theater in Longview. Or find us online at rcclongview.org. We hope you're blessed and that this message finds you well. Can you just pray with me for a second? Because I feel like I need that this morning. God, will you uh, just work in the scramblings of my mind that I've been trying to put down on paper? Will you allow me to speak clearly to this group of people that I love? Will we just uh, be able to cast your vision, uh, whatever you want to do in this community and in this place and in this church, God? Would you just be moving and speaking? You're the very best. Amen. So some of you might know me, some of you might not. I look around, I just feel like I know most of you. Um, But I'm Mackenzie Rambo, and I am our youth pastor here. I've been working with our students for the last five and a half years, which feels kind of wild and crazy that it's been that long already. I really never imagined that I'd be doing this work. It wasn't like I went to school and was like, I'm going to be a pastor one day. Like, no, I graduated high school and I went to photography school, so it's a very different route. Uh, that God had me on, but really, really grateful that he had other plans for my life. Uh, A couple other things about me is this guy up here in the front row, Joel Rambo. We've been married for 11 years. Um, I know you guys thought we were like really young, but we're not. (laughs) Well, we're young-ish, but 11 years, that makes us sound a lot older. Uh, We have two awesome boys, Miles and Emery. They're seven and five, and they keep us really busy. We're doing like two different sports for the first time in our life, and it is crazy. And then we have a dog named May that we call the beard, the bearded lady. We just love her way too much. (laughs) Uh, Both my husband and I were born and raised here. Like we were born at St. John's Hospital. We never left. We tried. God kept saying, no, stay put. And again, really grateful that he kept us here. But if we go back to my formative years, um, my side of the family is really great. The Fudges, that's my maiden name. We're really great. My parents have been married for over 30 years. And I don't think that there was ever a time in my life that I could look at and not feel like they loved me in some sort of way. I never questioned love from my family. But we were not a church-going family. We didn't go to church on Sunday mornings. My mom to this day says like, no, we went to church when you were a kid. I'm like, I have no memory of that whatsoever. Like not even a Sunday that I remember. We did, however, when we visit my family in Kathleen, my uh, uncle was a a worship pastor. And so when we'd go to church there, we would attend. But that's like the only memory of church when I was really young. It wasn't until high school that I began attending church, and it really wasn't by choice. I know some of you were like, well, yeah, that's how I got to church, (laughs) not by choice. It wasn't from my own family. My high school boyfriend's mom was the secretary at a church in uh, Castle Rock, and I told her, well, um, I use Sundays for sleeping in, and she said, that's what Saturdays are for. So I begrudgingly got up every Sunday morning. For second service, I was not making it for the early morning service. It was like, I don't know, 1030 or something. Uh, And I slept in the pews in the very back of that church for the better part of a year. Like an entire year was me sleeping in the back of the church. I was 15 when I asked God to come into my life, and it was on a school bus. 
that's a different story for a different time. <clears throat> that sleepy year and the years after during high school, I have such a fondness for because of the people that God put in my life during that time. I would walk into the foyer. Yes, we were like one of those churches, the foyer of the church. I'd walk in with people decades older than me. You guys, I was 15. Decades older than me by no blood relation that cared for me. They'd ask me about my week, and they would challenge me in my faith. It began to be a place that I wanted to be at. It wasn't this, got to get to church. It was, I want to be there. Every single Sunday, I was met with people who genuinely loved me. This is getting really hard to turn with this. I need to get one of those Britney mics on. I can wear it on my, woohoo, you know. <laughs> this is not page two. Isn't that cool? Let's see. Good thing I numbered them. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, they're back. Guys, they're two-sided. Oh, glory. You guys, woo. You guys think, like, I am really outgoing, but I... Public speaking makes me super nervous. Like, I am shaking. I am, well, the lights are on. It's hot. And it's already just hot in this room. Anyone else feeling that this morning? Whew. Okay. And this wasn't just happening on Sunday mornings when I was 15, right, and when I was in high school. This was happening when I was going to youth group, too. We had volunteers showing up each week for years. <laughs> I went to middle, or I went to uh, church, even youth group, all through my middle school and high school years. These people were people that were parents, there were grandparents, there were people there as old as grandparents, but they weren't grandparents. There was people there that had no skin in the game. They didn't know a single soul there other than they just knew that they had to meet with kids, and it meant something to us. Like I said, my family is really great, but those people who chose to love me in that season of my life, I'll never forget. They saw me when they could have looked the other way, they chose to step outside their comfort zone and meet with somebody they had nothing in common with. They listened. They gave advice. They were there for me when they didn't have to be. Now, parents and extended family members, like, you guys matter. I'm not saying that. And, you know, they might even be the ones that God uses to change someone's life. But I also think that most of you can probably think of at least one person who God put in your path that was there for you that didn't have to be. Or maybe you're sitting here and you're like, no, that's not my story at all. Let me ask you this. Do you wish that there would have been adults that cared for you when you were a young person? What kind of impact would that have made? How would your story look really different? When you look at the Old Testament where Moses meets God through the burning bush, God says this in Exodus 3.6. He says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Our God is a God of relationship. He could have used another example. I mean, he's God. He literally could have said other words, but he didn't. I look in those early years of my life, and I had people living a way that I wanted to know their God. For me, I could say it was the God of April, that secretary of the church. It was the God of Leslie, my youth pastor's wife. It was the God of Mary Lee, the lady that would one day be my mother-in-law. 
Institutions like Baylor and Fuller and others looked at college students and young adults who were still a part of a church community, and they were typically students that had five or more adults that influenced them through their childhood and teen years. Those that they spoke with said those five adults loved God, were a part of a faith community, they cared about them, and they knew their name. That is the culture that I want to create here, that we want to create in our community, where adults and students have the opportunity to not just exist in the same spaces, but really, truly build relationships that matter. So what's happening here in our ministry, in our youth group? Currently, we meet here at the Roxy on Wednesday nights. We call ourselves midweek. I know it's super clever. We meet on Wednesdays, which is the middle of the week. It's really fascinating. Uh, we're here from 6 to 8. So during that first hour, students just get to come in, and we just hang out. So they can hang out here or upstairs. They play games. They get to unwind. They get to just have fun. And then around 7, we move into our more structured time where we talk we do group discussions, whether that's in smaller groups or just huge, big groups. Depending on the week, we might have music, testimonies being shared, or more focused prayer time. Now, numbers mean more to some people, and I'm really grateful to work at a place like Renewal that doesn't care as much about the numbers. It's never been like I've been to a meeting and they're like, Mackenzie, you got to get those numbers up. Where are those numbers at? It's not once been like that. However, our numbers represent a couple things. When I got hired at Renewal, there were three kids that attended youth group all year. Three. Those three kids matter, and I love them, but there was three of them. I remember talking to friends that year going, they are paying me way too much to do this for three kids. But you guys have been here on a Sunday morning. We have an influx of, like, young kids, right? There's so many kids here. And so it was only a matter of time before those young people graduated from our kids' church and into our youth group. I love this verse in John 4.35. It says this, don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Over the last month, we've had over 40 students coming on Wednesday nights each and every week. Now, I don't say that to boast, to be like, look how great I am. You guys need to pay me more. <laughs> Not at all. I say that because... God is so good. He loves our young people and he loves this community. The first thing that these numbers represent are students. They're actual people with actual lives, with actual struggles. They don't, they're not just some number that we're like, yay, 40, super cool. It's actual people with actual stuff. They aren't a number. They're a person. The second is that the students are the ones, the, the students that are bringing kids in are the ones doing it. It's not us adult leaders. We're just there, and kids keep showing up. Like, it's nothing that we're doing. It's just kids bringing other kids in. And as excited as I am to meet new kids, learn their names and their stories, the task, if I'm being honest, is becoming really overwhelming. In part because I'm not God. I know you guys are like, whoa, what? You're kidding me. <laughs> but I know, and you guys know, we serve a big God. He can do a lot 
with a little. And I'm proof of that. However, we are doing such a disservice to these kids. We've been running this program with like three consistent adults. The ratio of three adults to 40 plus kids, I mean, I don't do a ton of the maths, but that feels like a lot. That feels like a real bad average. <laughs> Our numbers are not doing so great there on the, the helper side. That's the ministry that I don't want to do, is have 40 plus kids coming here on a Wednesday night, and then three people are willing to meet with them. I want my kiddos, my bigs, as I tend to call them, to have people asking them about their week, challenging them in their faith, and showing them the love that we each need and deserve. Just like those that showed up in my own story, or maybe your stories. But I don't want you guys to miss this. It's not just been me. We've had people showing up. And without them, my job would not be near as fun, and it would be a lot harder. So, David and Ryan, thank you for your commitment to our bigs. Sorry. I just love these guys so much. Um, <clears throat> these two are here every single week with me, week in and week out for years. Like, it's not been like, oh, the last three months have been, like, every week for years. And they're not just, like, here existing. They're, like, in these kids' business, and they love them. They know their name, and they're sacrificing their own personal time to be here and love these kids so well. And then they go above and beyond, and they meet these kids where they're actually at. They're not just, like, here. <laughs> they're out there beyond these walls loving these kids. I'm really, really grateful for you both, and it's more than I could ever say on this stage. So thank you. And then you have others like Danny Perez, a guy who uh, is running our music, and he's a guy that has almost no time, and somehow he gives his time every month to do that. So thank you, Danny. And then you have people like Jamie Robinson, who would say she has almost no skill, but we all know that that's her just being Jamie. <laughs> and those are her words, not mine. She has a lot of skill, but she, when she can be be here and be present with us, she's here. And then we have others of you who have, like, made a snack sign-up list. You've brought snacks. I know there's lots of you that have been praying for us. And we've had greeters. And then some people just come in to check it out to see what we're all about. So thank you. Relationships matter. When I'm not enough on my own, <clears throat> and my few and faithful aren't enough, we are really, truly bursting at the seams. 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4 says, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing. As God wants you to, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording over it, <clears throat> And not lording over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that never fades away. Renewal, I don't want to do this by myself. I don't want to do this and walk this walk without you guys. Earlier this year, we had someone pop through on a Wednesday night. And after, they said, whoa, you've really got a second church going on up there. And they meant it in love. It was a loving comment. Because I understand the sentiment. 
We really do. We operate on a separate night. We've got different leaders and things running. But if I'm being honest, it really hurt my heart. We don't need another church. We need to bridge that gap somehow. You guys matter. My kids are just as much as part of this church as you guys are to this church. We are in this together. Life is better together, no? Will you see that the care of these bigs is on all of us? Like, I get that I was hired for this job, but I would be fooling myself to not see and remember from my own story the importance of the collective us that is you and I that have been there and done that to meet these students where they are right now. So what is it that I'm asking? Why am I up here crying my eyes out <laughs> on the stage? We have a need, and it's big ones. Our first biggest one is just small group leaders. This is just where you are here consistently every week, like the Davids and Ryans, and it's a big ask, and it's not an easy one. It's not one that I take lightly. My, my students are not dumb. <laughs> you guys are real smart. <laughs> You know when people show up and care for you. You know when it matters, when, you know, people don't want to spend their time with you. <laughs> You're like, I don't want to be a part of that. Um, the commitment's two hours each week, and that's, like, the bare minimum is showing up and being here, you know, from 6 to 8 on Wednesday nights. And what happens when you're here is you just, like, get to talk to kids. I mean, I think we're all, like, qualified and like being nice people but like we don't have a bunch of qualifications under our belt <laughs> there was no like gold star that you know ryan david and i got and it was like wow you are just the perfect person for it was like no like god just said here you go love these kids and that's all it is is loving these kids getting to know their names getting to know their stories just as you might have had or wished someone would have done in your life and like if we're just talking numbers again wouldn't it be great if it was like one adult to seven kids instead of three adults to 20 kids? <laughs> like it just is, it's kind of wild, right? Uh, second thing is greeters. We meet here, but we use this back door. And I don't know if you guys have ever been through this back door, but it kind of gets a little creepy sometimes. It's, you know, people in and out and it's fine. But we like, our back door is in an alley. And so it's really great to have someone with a nice smiling face to meet you at that door, to say hi. And again, those superhuman things of what's your name, how's your week, and that consistency. Those aren't people that I need here every week. I mean, I would like a greeter every week, but it doesn't have to be the same person every week. We've had a few people that have, like, done that, and, and they come once a month, and it's really awesome. Because you're at least getting to know these kids. And then you're kind of also having a second thing of you're keeping us safe, and, and we know who's coming in and out. Um, a little dual purpose there. Another thing is prayer. Now, I know when you, like, list out these things and then you say prayer is third, like, it feels like, and the third thing is prayer. It's like, no, the really, prayer is the first thing. Um, I believe that there have been people in this room praying for us. I think that that's probably a big reason of why we've seen um, the kind of impact that we've been able to have is because, again, God is a big God, and he moves and works in mysterious ways. I loved this in Matthew 9, 36 through 38. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. 
ask him to send more workers into the field. And that's just one ask that I'm asking for you guys. Just ask God to help us, <laughs> to help these kids. Again, the number I could care less about, it's the individuals that they represent. Like the 40-some kids that are coming here on a Wednesday night, really great, awesome. But Cowlitz County has a lot more than that. That's like just like a, a speck of the amount of kids in this community that need to know that there is a God who loves them no matter what. And then the, the last thing I would ask of you is just to get uncomfortable. I think we're really good at sitting here, coming in on a Sunday morning, and hearing whatever this person on stage is talking about, usually much more qualified than I am, um, and then walking out the doors. There's students in this room right now with you guys. And have you ever asked them how they are or what their name is? Have you ever checked in on any of them? And then, like, let's just take out the students. Have you ever talked to someone who's not your age? Like, it'd be really easy for me to walk in here and only talk to the 30-sums, right? Like, oh, we're all the same. We've got young kids. We're, we've walked this much life with Jesus. Like, I'm asking you to do things that are uncomfortable. You're here now. Like, let's open our eyes and see what's happening right in front of us. And an easy way to do that on a Sunday morning is once a month. We've got Sunday fun days. It's a really low ask because you guys have probably heard us screaming out in the cafe <laughs> on those days. We're just playing games and getting to know each other. And would you just come and hang out? I mean, I'm sorry, James, but I would love to see, like, everyone's out there playing games and no one's in here. Like, wouldn't that be cool? That'd be kind of cool. I would be about it because that's family. Like, we love each other. We care for each other. It's not that, like, oh, those kids I don't know. I was that kid that no one knew in a room. I didn't have family to go to church with. And I'm so grateful that God put those people in my life that made that difference. And it was small stuff. It was human stuff. It wasn't big, grand gestures. It was opening the door and loving me right where I was. <clears throat> so would you do that with me, guys? Would we just love these kids because they're worth being loved? We've been doing a Bible study in the morning before school on Fridays, and it's been some of the best time because I'm not running the show. The students are, like, doing it, and it's been so impactful. And one student on just this last Friday was praying a prayer, and they said this in their prayer, may we be uncomfortable in the places we find you, talking about God. Like, may we be uncomfortable in the places we find you because we put God in such a box that we can only find you here and here and here. And I just was like, whoa, I want to be that person who finds God in the most uncomfortable places, the places that make me go, whoa, you're more than I ever knew you could be. Let's be those people, right? Uh, James, I am done talking. So if you want to come up here. Um, while he's coming up, David... Uh, told me that maybe we should have like an option for people to like come to and do this thing. And so uh, we're going to just do a dinner at my house on April 28th at 6 p.m. If anyone wants more questions, I know I talk for a while because I'm a chatterbox, but like this isn't even the stories of our kids. This isn't even the stories about the epic, awesome, cool things they're doing um, and the like fundamentals of what's happening um, in and throughout the week. So if you guys want to know more, um, I'll get some information. It's my house is where we'll be at um, April 28th, I believe the date is, that Thursday at 6 p.m. Oh, 27th, cool. Oh, 27th. 
Yes. Yeah. Thursday. Whatever that Thursday is. 27th at 6 p.m. at my house. Um, and then for anyone that's got young ones, the Alexis are going to have kids at their house. So uh, get a hold of me. Grab me after church. Thanks so much. We should just have you do announcements every week. That was great. I mean, Ryan does a good job, but um, we were we were talking about just this whole situation with the youth group, and, and Mackenzie has just done such a great job. She's so faithful to be who God has called her to be. I know any of you who have uh, teenagers who have been a part of her ministry are impacted by what she's done. Like, your hearts are just full of gratitude because she's an incredible um, mentor and friend of our young people and an incredible example for them. And we just, we really appreciate you so much. Um, I've, I've got a sermon that, I, yeah. Really, we should be standing and giving you a standing ovation. Um, I've said for years now that one of the things that I'm most grateful for, and I don't suppose I'll ever stop being grateful for it, is the adult relationships that my children have developed through being a part of Renewal and the impact that that's had on my family and had on my kids' faith. And, um, you know, I grew up in a believing family. My kids are growing up. I extended believing family, aunts, uncles, you know, everybody uh, walking with the Lord. And that's great, but church family is, is so much more, too and so impactful. And that number of, of five adults, you know, they, Ken's referenced it, but you know, they found that if, if a young person has meaningful relationship with five believing adults who are not their parents, um, the likelihood of them sticking with the faith and walking with the Lord is, it's ridiculously reliable, you know, up in like the 80, 90% thing, uh, which if you've been a part of church long enough to see a generation grow up and stop attending, you know that that's a pretty high mark to hit where you're keeping young people as a part of the faith. And unrelated adults are a huge part of that equation. And, and so I think, uh, you know, McKinsey and her team sees it. I know our elders, our leadership team sees it. And I think in many ways it's been an effective part of, of how we've, ministered at renewal and and we just want to grow in that we want to get better at that and and so i i love her bringing up asking you guys to to get out of your comfort zone a little bit be a little uncomfortable at church on sunday and and that means if you're crossing the age gap to talk to a young person young people we're all in this together we're asking you to do the same thing cross the age gap uh if you know if in the if in Older person's talking to you, like, look them in the eye, <laughs> answer their questions. I promise they'll leave you alone eventually. And, and if it's really terrible, they'll probably leave you alone because none of us enjoy that kind of stuff, you know. Um, but, yeah, reach out to each other. Uh, there's a verse in, in Romans chapter 1. We'll try to get to a little bit of the content that I was meaning to talk about today. Uh, we're really in the middle of John chapter 8. Uh, but we're trimming some of this down for time. So we'll go to Romans chapter 1. Uh, there's a, a memory verse that uh, 
that or a verse that says in Romans chapter 1 verse 20 that since the creation of the world God's invisible qualities his eternal power and his divine nature has been clearly seen it's been understood from what was made so that people are without excuse it's a verse that uh, was a memory verse that we gave to students coming through in a mission adventures program that my wife and I staffed the summer before we got married. It's the same program through Youth with a Mission that our young people have been doing summer mission trips through for the last couple of summers, and that's what the fundraiser's for, uh, the Kids Night Out, to help these kids go on the this summer's mission trip. But when we threw that verse out there and we had the kids memorize it and the staff all memorized it, in my mind... I'm thinking about majestic mountains. I'm thinking about endless seas. I'm thinking about, uh, you know, all the stuff in creation, the waterfalls and the giant trees and the, the rainbows, right? The beautiful lakes, all the things that just, you, and you have those moments where you're out in nature and you think, oh my God, you are wondrous. And I think that's part of it. And I think that when we talk about God being revealed in his creation, many of our minds go there. And, you, and you'll hear it. It's kind of a popular sentiment at times, especially for people who follow the Lord but don't like to hang out with his people, that, hey, my church is out in the woods. Or my church is out on a Sunday morning hike because that's where I connect with God. The thing about that sentiment, though, is that it ignores the creation account that we have been given in the scriptures. In the book of Genesis, when God reaches the point in creation where he wants to infuse it with his image, the narrative says that God said, let us make man in our image or humanity in our image. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, to rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the air, the livestock, and over all the earth itself and every creature that calls upon it. And it says that God created man or humanity. God created humanity in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. When you think about what that narrative is saying about you, it's saying that God created you so that his invisible qualities would be infused into his creation. So that the people who look around creation and see you would be without excuse. Before you've even said anything, they would be without excuse, seeing in you the divine qualities and the goodness of the invisible God, simply because you're here to be seen. Jesus Christ gave his life, we talked about that at Easter, and then he sent his spirit to live with you and in you. Last week at Easter, we talked about the resurrection, right? And the question that, that comes up there is the, the body in the tomb, right? The tomb is empty. So where's the body? Where did Jesus' body go? What happened? How can this be? Then in Scripture, we're reminded that you are the body of Christ. 
that you all together are the body of Christ. You all together are the temple of the living God being built up like living stones. We begin to see that from Genesis all the way to the end of Scripture, God is revealing a plan that he's revealing himself through the people who have been made in his image. That God means for his, the invisible God, who's full of invisible qualities, this goodness, this power, this majesty, this incredible being's plan is to reveal his invisible qualities through the thing that he has made. And specifically through humanity. So I wonder what people see of God when they look at us. What of God's invisible qualities do they see? I think of what people might see if they look at me, and if what, if what they learned of God was from what they saw of me, they would see things and they would come away with ideas about God that maybe aren't exactly who God is. What if people are learning from us that God is just a little too busy to care? What if they're learning from us that God is a little too busy to show up? That God's too distracted to stop and give them his full attention? Maybe they're learning from us that God is unreliable. God's not someone who shows up where he says he'll be or does what he says he'll do. Obviously, in Genesis one, we have this intention of God to create humanity in his image. And, and when, it, the, when the creation that he's made wants to understand who this God is, he's placed humanity there in his image to rule and reign in relationship with him. And, and, and I think his intention was to be able to say, for humans to be able to say things like Jesus said, you, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It, this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like when God comes and lives in his creation. And you even see, like, Paul in the New Testament hinting at that, where he says, look, I'm just imitating Christ, so imitate me as I imitate Christ. I know that you were all born too late to have met him, but here I am living like he would live. Do you want to understand who Christ is? Christ is in me. You can see him. You can experience his goodness. What do people see when they see us? I think in my own life, uh, I, I'm 40 years old. I've been going to church, you know, most Sundays. I mean, I, I've probably, I have not missed very many Sundays. My mom is here today. You can attest, hardly a Sunday missed. I mean, model attendance at church. So I did a little math this week. It's like over 2,000 Sundays. 2,000 Sundays. And then we spent a period of time, I, I went to youth group for a lot of years, probably about a decade, uh, not because it took me that long to graduate, but, you know, I attending youth group and then helping out at youth group, at least a decade at youth group before I was a youth pastor. Um, uh, and, then, and then for a period of time, uh, about a half a dozen years in my junior high and high school years, we went to an intense church that had Sunday night services too, twice, twice a month. We didn't do it every week. We weren't that holy. But on the second and fourth Sunday of the month, we came to church on Sunday morning, and then we came back on Sunday night. Some of you were like, I 
I can't even, how did you have time for that? I have no idea. I don't know. We had potlucks every Sunday on the first Sunday of the month, too. Three Sundays of the month, we came to church twice. I don't know how we did it. Mom, how did we do that? It was insane. How did we survive that, more importantly? I don't know. Anyways, um, that's like another 500 uh, Wednesday nights, <laughs> 10 years of Wednesdays, 50 times. I'm giving myself two weeks off every year. Uh, you throw in the Sunday night services, that's like another 150. I mean, I've probably been to 3,000 church services and listened to 3,000 sermons in my life, let alone the podcasts and all the other stuff. But here's the thing. I, I scarcely remember any of it. When I think about the things in my life that have impacted me, it's been the relationships. It's been the people that I've been around. It hasn't been the things that someone said from the stage, but it's been the things that I've seen people do. When I see someone who's not the janitor sweeping up after people, cleaning up after them, that says something to me about who God is, the humble God who comes to serve. When I see someone caring and 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 being affectionate in a holy way towards a child that's not their own. That says something to me about who God is. I've learned much more about who God is from the Christians who I've been able to live life on life with. Members of my family, friends from church, friends who are like family. I've learned more about who God is. His invisible qualities have been revealed to me far more through that than through the things that people have said to me or the teachings that I've heard. It's been great. It's been great teaching. But when you talk about the things that really impact you, it's what you see. The connection to all this to John chapter 8, because I don't want to come back and talk about it next week. So (laughs) I'll tie it up real quick for you with the connection to that is it in the middle of John chapter 8, the people say to him, just tell us who you are. Who are you? Just tell us. And this is something that bothers me a little bit in the story of the gospel and in Jesus. Like, why doesn't he just say it a little more clearly? I mean, when you read between the lines, it feels like the, the fruit's hanging pretty low. They should all figure it out, right? But why isn't he a little bit more uh, verbally assertive in his claims? But I think part of the reason that he is that way is because at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter what people tell you. At the end of the day, it matters what you believe is true. That's what matters, what you believe. And here's the thing. Uh, If you believe something, or sorry, I should put it this way. We tend to be far more... uh, attached to the conclusions that we come to seemingly on our own than we are to the things that other people try to convince us of. And so I think part of the reason that Jesus is intentionally maybe a little bit ambiguous is because he's inviting people to weigh the evidence and to come to their own conclusion about who he is. Because Jesus knows that if a first century Jewish person sees Jesus and is like, I think I figured this out. This guy's healing the sick. He's preaching with authority in a super unique way. He's, he's 
he's incredible. I, I think he's the Messiah. And then they start to go around and tell their friends, I think I found the Messiah. Come and see. This guy, I'm pretty sure he's the Messiah. That's a whole different experience for that person. Then if Jesus is like Captain Obviousing his way through his ministry with like the t-shirt that says Messiah. And he's like, I'm the Messiah. I'm the Messiah. It's totally different, right? And so I think in some ways, if we can adopt that model, even for how we live out our faith, I think our impact on people is going to change. If this church's impact is far more about what you all are proclaiming with your lives and your interactions with people, and they're watching you and they're thinking to themselves, I think God is good. I think God is holy. I think God is incredibly loving and incredibly patient. They watch your lives and they're coming to those conclusions. How different is that for them? Then if they're like, I don't know, you know, so-and-so showed up in my life. They, they, we had coffee. They sold me on the Jesus thing with a bunch of stuff that they said. And here we go. And then two years later, you mess up. And they're like, oh, I don't know about it. Everything. There's a huge gap between what this person said to me and now what I see in their life. How undermining that is. And, and I think in a society that is increasingly moving away from the church, I think we're seeing just how undermining that is. People don't believe it if you say it, but then they don't see it in your life. So what do people see in you? Lord God, we need your help. We need you to help us. We do not want to undermine the revelation of your divine qualities with our own sinfulness. We just acknowledge that each one of us is a broken image, revealing your light and your goodness through fractured angles that cast things in all kinds of funny ways at times. We need your help. We need your help. There's a super simple liturgical prayer that the people of God have been praying for uh, 2,000 years when they would gather together. There's three simple lines. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. When I think about the fact that a huge part of God's plan for revealing his goodness in the world, for infusing the world with his invisible qualities, involves me. There's almost nowhere else I can land in prayer. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. I'm willing. I want to be a part of this plan, but this is a mess. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on us. We're going to come back to the table. Uh, no, we're not. We're, we're going to come to the table now, I guess. I was going to turn us loose for some discussion questions. This is part of the philosophy behind these discussion questions, too, is just wanting to acknowledge that um, if we don't take time in our Sunday morning service to connect authentically with each other, then all we're left to be impacted by is the things that we said together and the things that we sang together. And that just doesn't quite cut it. And so I even like this, I know the, the small group discussions 
and we don't necessarily do them every week because sometimes we don't manage our time very well. But um, I know it can be awkward, but maybe that's a good opportunity. Maybe that's a good personal goal for you. Next Sunday, we'll come back. We'll take time for discussion questions. You say to yourself, I'm going to find one of those young people. I'm going to go sit by them, and we're going to do discussion questions together. And it's going to be a little awkward, and it's going to be glorious. And, uh, and <laughs> it's going to be great. So everyone bring your teenagers next week. Um, but as we, as we turn to the Lord's table, uh, there's just another thing that, that we've been wanting to be a little bit more intentional about that kind of went by the wayside uh, with uh, COVID and, and all the social distancing. And that was, uh, we're a church that tried to, used to try to be more intentional about getting to pray for one another in, in meaningful ways and having time for ministry. And so you'll probably notice we did some sly rearranging of the room for Easter Sunday because you're like, oh, there's going to be a lot of people here. We've got to rearrange the room. And that's, that's my way of avoiding any complaining about it. And then by the time you come back the next Sunday, the changes have already been made. And so, <laughs> uh, but one of the things we did is we moved the benches up here to the front. And uh, when we come together for communion, uh, I don't know about every week, but, but a lot of weeks, we just want to open this time up as well, just for people to be able to minister to one another. And so, um, I, and sometimes that'll have a specific invite. Sometimes it's just something that we all want to know. This is a safe space where if you're coming with any kind of need for prayer, you can essentially raise your hand and say, I'd love prayer today by just having a seat on the benches up here. Anytime during the worship time, uh, you could probably even interrupt the teaching time. We just stop everything and pray for you, though I highly doubt anyone would ever do that. Um, but we really believe that uh, one of the most significant ways we can participate in each other's lives spiritually is through praying for one another. And so as we turn to the table today, uh, I, I want to in, invite anyone up who would need prayer today. But specifically, if you're feeling any kind of a tug on your heart through what Mackenzie was sharing, um, and that's in any way uh, creating a response in you that's like, I don't know about this this seems tough or this seems like a little too much or I don't feel like I could fit the mold for whatever they're talking about. Um, I'd love to have you come up and have a seat on the benches and we'd just love to pray with you about that. Um, because we haven't done this in a few years, I feel like I, I feel a need to give just a little bit more instruction. And so um, one, when we're praying for each other, uh, we always We'll ask someone if it's okay if we put a hand on their shoulder, you know, appropriately put a hand on their shoulder. And uh, and then two, it's good to start with asking uh, what they would like prayer for specifically. Uh, because someone might sit up here and it might have nothing to do with what we talked about. They might need prayer for a totally different reason. And so um, and so it's, it's good to make a habit of coming up and saying, hey, is it okay if I put a hand on your shoulder? Is it okay if, uh, or, you know, what specifically would you like prayer for? And then I would just encourage you as you get a little bit of feedback on that to then just take a moment and pray quietly to yourself and ask the Spirit to lead you in praying. And then go for it. Whatever comes on your mind, whatever comes on your heart, pray that over the person, speak it over their life, and we trust that uh, the Holy Spirit anoints this time to be meaningful and fruitful in our lives. Um, God's intention was to have humanity here as his image bearers in the planet, 
Obviously, we messed it up, but this is part of why Jesus came, right? So that at least out of the history of humanity, one person would get it right. The beautiful thing about the gospel is that we just needed one person to get it right. One man got it right, and the rest of us are included in his success and welcomed into the everlasting kingdom of our Father in heaven because this one person got it right. And in uh, every week, we come to the Lord's table, and we have the bread that's representing Christ's body that was broken, and the blood representing his ca- uh, the blood representing uh, the cup representing the blood of the new covenant. Uh, And we eat of these things every week because it's our way of receiving Christ's success and saying, we're in, we're included in it. Thank God somebody came and got this right. And we just get to eat and drink of his righteousness and his sacrifice and what he's done and then be a part of it. And so um, as we move into this time of worship and ministry, the table's been set and we would invite you to come up as well and uh, tear off a piece of the bread and dip it in the cup and just rejoice that one man got this right and and so uh, we can walk forward in his success and in in the power of his spirit. Uh, Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for what you're doing in our community. Uh, We thank you for lives that are being changed. We thank you for our own lives that are being changed. God, I thank you that I'm not the same person I was last week. We thank you, too, that you are a God who is mighty to save and able to accomplish those things that you've set out to do in us and through us. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to to be over us in this time, to be moving in our hearts. I pray that every morsel of bread and drop of juice that's consumed uh, would do what it's meant to do in connecting us to our Savior, Jesus Christ, and his finished work. I pray that those who could use some prayer today would be bold enough to come up, have a seat, and receive it, that you would anoint the mouths of those who are praying and the hands that are being laid on to bring healing, restoration, transformation. And Lord, we thank you that we are walking through fields that are white with ripeness that are ripe for harvest. We thank you that you would entrust us to walk into these fields and we pray that you would send more and more workers in Jesus' name, amen.